Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Well, I feel like I've been to church. How about you? Stand with me this morning. We've been on a series called The Invisible War, and uh, this is our third installment. And uh, I want to give you a verse that's very familiar to you. It's one that you could quote. John 3.16. How many of you know that verse? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Could you read that with me? Here we go. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of you believe that verse? Well, if you notice right in the middle of that is this word world. How many of you know God loves the world? But there's a paradox in the midst of this that we want to talk about today because uh, the Bible describes the world in a different way. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to be here today. We love you. We praise you. We exalt you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Well, this world that we live in has been described in a lot of different ways, and I want to give you just a few ways the Bible talks about our world. Our world is fallen, it's corrupt, it's wicked, it is sinful, full of sorrow. Our world is offensive, it's abusive, unfair, unjust. It's polluted in a spiritual sense, uh, the Bible says, to keep yourself unspotted, unpolluted from the world. It even can become a killing field. How many of you know this can be a tough world? And you live right in the middle of this very tough world that we're all exposed to. In Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11, it says, God will punish the world for its evil. Then in chapter 14, verse 17, he describes the world as a wilderness. And uh, chapter 24, verse 4, Isaiah says, this world languishes and will soon fade away. How many of you know one day this world's going to all fade away? It's not going to stand forever. And we know that the wisdom of this world is foolishness. And the Bible states that the entire world is guilty and condemned. And we know that judgment is coming upon this world. So that's just some of the things the Bible says about the world. But when we jump... Drop down to John chapter 5, 1 John 5, 19. It says, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. How many of you know there is a force behind this world that is very wicked? And the Bible describes this as the God of this world, little g. How many of you know there is an evil influence that's working and permeating through the world that you live in? And it's the God of this world. How many of you know we serve a God, big G, that's greater than the little g of this world? Man, that, that, that's, the, that's the hope that we have, right? That's the light that we have. How many of you are going to help me preach today? So it sounds like a dangerous place, doesn't it? Wicked, sinful, corrupt, going to be judged. It is guilty, condemned. And then the Bible tells us, God speaking through His prophets and through His men and women, that we ought to come out of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, Come out from among them. And be separate. So he says, you need to come out of the world. Then Revelation chapter 18, as John's receiving that revelation, he hears a voice come out of heaven. And this is the setting. It's this Babylonian world system that God is calling his people out of. He says, 
this system is sinful, corrupt, filled with fornication. He says, come out of her, my people, so you don't share in her sins. So come out, be separate. God's going to judge this world. You, you, you need to come out of it. And then he turns it around to something that's, as I said, paradoxical, almost mysterious. Many of you have heard the story about the guy that his parents named Odd, O-D-D. And how many of you know that's an odd name to be named Odd? And he went through grade school. He didn't know why his parents named him that, although he never changed it out of respect to his parents. Had a tough time in grade school. What's your name? Odd. T tough time in middle school, junior high, high school, even into his career. It wasn't good. People made fun of his name. And he said to his wife, when he got older, he said, listen, when you bury me, he said, I don't want my name on my headstone just put when I die, uh, the year I was born. So they did that, and everybody who walked through the cemetery looked at that empty headstone and said, isn't that odd? <laughs> and here's something odd that's coming. The very world that I just described to you, that is wicked and sinful and corrupt, that God's going to judge. He tells us something here that's going to reverse it. This is Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, he's talking to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. D did you catch it? Okay, here it is. He says, come out of the world, be separate. You need to get out of this worldly system because it is sinful, it is corrupt, it is full of fornication. You need to be out of it because it's going to be judged. Don't share in its sin. And then he turns around and he sends us right back into the very world that he called us out of. Isn't that odd? But that's what it says. It seems like he's saying don't get tangled up in the world, don't, don't be worldly, uh, but here he is sending us back into the world. But this is what he does. He sends us back into the world to reconcile it and to change it. But th this is what happens. He transforms us. We have a new birth. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. And then he turns around and sends us back into the same world he just called us out of so that we might change the world that we live in. Can I hear an amen? Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we actually preached on this through the summer, uh, verse 18, 19, now all things are God, and this is God who's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So he says, okay, this, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come out of the world. But you get out of that. Get out of that system. Get out of that lifestyle. Get out of that degradation. Get out of that immorality. Get out of those uh, addictions, those abuses. Get, get out of all of that. I want to transform you. I want to give you a new birth. I want to fill you with my Holy Spirit. I want to put my name upon you. And then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you right back into that world that you got out of so that you can be world changers. And, and that's what he's saying, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Now, you know, Paul, I'm sure he was a good man, but he says, I'm the biggest sinner that I know of. You know who's the biggest sinner that I know of personally? Me. 
You know who the biggest sinner you know of personally? You. You say, why in the world would you say that? Let me tell you why I would say that. Because you see me, and you, you may know me, but I know of everything that I've thought, I've said, in the light, in the darkness, and I know every sinful thing that I have ever done. Now, just don't think about me, think about you. How many of you know, you, you got some issues too. Well, I didn't say it, well, you thunk it. Well, I didn't do it, you thought about doing it. And so that's why Paul says, he said, I'm the chief sinner. Could, could we all say here, man, if it wasn't for the Lord, I'm in trouble, right? Because I have done some pretty evil things. But this is worthy of all acceptance. This is a, a great thing that we need to know, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's why we have a holy God manifest in the flesh, the Son of God, this one who created the heavens and the earth, this fallen world that He came to, and now He goes to people, and think about this, Here, here's someone who is Jewish, who is holy, the Son of God, but He goes to someone like the woman at the well, right? He said, I, I need to go through Samaria. He didn't say, well, hey guys, what if we just go through Samaria? He said, I need to go through Samaria. So here's this Samaritan woman who is a, kind of a half-breed type thing according to the Jewish mentality. She's been married five times. She's shacking up with somebody now, but that's who he goes to. Why is he going to her? Because this is why he came to the world to save sinners. Then he goes to this guy who's a demoniac of Gadra. We call him the demoniac of the Gadarenes. Jesus sails all across the, the Sea of Galilee to the, to the southeast side. He goes to a cemetery or place where there's tombs. There's a guy that's out of his ever-loving mind. I mean, this guy is, is just crazy. He's living with dead bodies. He, he's living in tombs with, with bones and, and, and rotting carcasses, those who've been embalmed and wrapped up, and the townspeople uh, just use him on Halloween. Uh, not, not, that's not in the Bible. I mean, they're coming out trying to chain him up because he is a, he, he, he's a lunatic. And Jesus goes to that one place for one guy who's possessed with a legion of demons and sets him free. Why? That's why he came. Then he goes to town and there's a woman who's caught in the very act of adultery and they sling her at Jesus' feet. And you know what he does? He, ex he extends grace and mercy to her. Goodness gracious, she's guilty. I mean, she doesn't uh, deny she's not guilty. I mean, everybody says she's guilty, but guess what? He gives her grace and mercy. Why? That's the reason that he came. He's extending today grace and mercy and love to this fallen world. But, but here's the caveat. It has an expiration date. Now, I don't know when that is, but I'm going to tell you something that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. He's committed that ministry to us, agents of His love, but one day He's going to judge this world. And you don't know when. And if you are not saved today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me suggest something to you. Let me proclaim something to you. Before you walk out of those doors, you need to know Jesus. 
Because when this world is judged, you don't want to be caught up in this sinful world because it is going down, my friends. And we want to be in that number that has been called out of the world, but yet He turns around and He sends us as ambassadors right back into the world that we came out of. Listen to Luke chapter 10, verse 3. Go your way. He's talking to His disciples. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Have you ever felt that way? You're out in this world, you feel like, man, I'm a lamb among wolves. It, it is a wicked world. This week, Dale sent me a, a quote, the church is not an audience to be entertained, but an army to be empowered. We're not here to entertain you today. You're here to be empowered. You're here to learn and listen and to worship and to be filled, to go out into the world this week and make a change in the world. He called you out of it, then He sends you right back into it. And He wants you to do something with what you have. So, how do we impact and engage our world? Let me give you four things very quickly today. Get a pencil and paper out. Let me share it with you. Here's number one. Live the life. Say that with me. Live the life. Now let's all say it. Here we go. Live the life. What, what does that mean? It means live this out. Don't just say it. Live it. You know what the Bible says about you and me? That we're living epistles known and read of all men. Now... <laughs> An epistle's not the wife of an apostle. Uh, some of you get that when you leave. Uh, an epistle's a letter. You know what he's saying? Some people, they don't read the Bible. They may not even have a Bible. They don't know God. They've never been around the things of God. But when they get around you, you are God's love letter to them. That when you interact with Him, when you go to work, you go to school, uh, you're in your practice, you're, you're in your office, you're at work, what are you doing? You're taking the love of God, the mercy of God, the Word of God, and you know what you're doing? You're living this out every day. You just live it, live it, live it out every day. Our conduct, our character, our marriages, our language, our mercy, our compassion, our love, is lived out, and we need to live it out every day of our life so people can look at your life and read the mercy, the grace, and the love of God in your life. You know, there are some Christians, when you see how they live and how they interact with other people, you would wonder if they're even saved. Don't shout me down. Because uh, it looks like they've been baptized in pickle juice. I mean, they hardly ever smile, they're not kind, they're not engaging, they're not loving. Goodness gracious, well, you know, what did you get? It's kind of like the little uh, girl that uh, she grew up and had a bad experience at church, and she uh, never had a smile, never had a great attitude, and she was witnessing, said, I want, what you, I want you to have what I got. And someone said, I don't think I want what you got. We need to live this out every day, man. You know, it's been said, you know, you need to be witnessing at all time, and if necessary, use words. So you can witness without even using words, can't you? And we need to be doing that over and over and over again. Here's the second thing. The second thing is that look, you and I need to be look for, looking for opportunities to share our faith. Look for opportunities to share your faith. Now, there are organic, natural ways for us to show the love of Christ. Um, Matt and I, we, we've been at a conference, and we stayed, our conference was right outside of Louisville, Kentucky. 
This last week was not a good time to be in Louisville, Kentucky. A lot of uh, riots and demonstrations, a lot of people who are seeking maybe uh, justice and they think there's injustice. So I'm not commentating on that, but I'm just saying it's just a hotbed right now. So we flew into Louisville, we flew out of Louisville, and we're checking in, and I'm at the airport getting my boarding pass, you know, putting my luggage up there, and there's a man of color. He's there helping me, and he's giving my boarding passes, and we're visiting. And I just said to him, you know, thank you for helping me today. God bless you. Have a great day. And he looked at me, and he said, thank you, sir. I really needed that today. Sometimes it's just a little bitty thing. Sometimes we think it's got to be some big bombastic thing. Let me tell you something. If you just do something small, if you just put a smile on your face, say a God bless you. I, I mean, it, it could be anything small that God could show His love, His grace, His mercy through your life. Uh, many, many years ago, I was uh, at a car wash washing uh, my car, and I, I heard and noticed the guy in the next bay next to me I don't know if he lifted his lid and washed his motor or whatever, but he couldn't get his car started. And so he's working on it. So I just kind of go around and I said, uh, sir, you having trouble? He said, I can't get my car started. He said, do you, do you have some tools? And I, I think I might have had a crescent wrench or a few things, a screwdriver in my car. And I said, I've got a few things. So I went over there and we kind of worked on this car and did a few things and actually got it running. And while we're working on it, he looked at me and he said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I didn't think it showed, but, but that's what he said. He said, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, well, yeah, I really am. He said, well, thanks for helping me today. Now, I didn't preach him a sermon. I, I, I didn't say, bless God, you're going to hell. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what he, I mean, he may be safe. But, but listen, sometimes it's just being organic, just doing the things you know to do, being kind. And, and if you can put that word in there, that's wonderful. And God will allow you to have those times. I was in Phoenix, Arizona at a conference. It's been many, many years ago, and I was uh, in my early 30s, and I was there with four other ministers, and we're flying out of Phoenix. One's going to another state, but three of us, we were visiting, and we said, well, when we get on the plane, I hope we all can sit together. Uh, no, uh, he's over here, he's over here, and I'm way back in the back. So I, I get my seat, I, I have my boarding pass, I find my seat, and I'm sitting there, and these two lovely blonde ladies who are in their uh, mid to late 20s come down the aisle. Guess where they sit? One sat on the left of me, one sat on the right of me. And they were drop-dead gorgeous. Carrie knows the story, everybody. Okay, you're, you're good. <laughs> so these two beautiful girls, one sat on the left of me, one sat on the right of me, one's an attorney, the other one is, is a, a, a business person. She has a degree in business. And so I introduced myself, we're flying, you know, we're 35,000 feet in the air, and we, we just have, you know, a conversation, and so they're going back to see their dad, he's having some difficulties, and in the middle of the conversation, both of them share with me how that they are almost uh, disnamored, just, just, they, they, they just have this kind of sinking feeling of what they thought the world was going to be. They're just disenamored with it. And the, the lawyer said, you know, I thought, you know, when I went to law school, I'm going to get out. I'm going to make a, a big difference. And I get out there, and it's just dog-eat-dog dog world. And the other one said, yeah, that's kind of the way I feel too. And 
So we're, we're flying through the air and we're getting close to land. And I, I said, young ladies. And then I found out they're sisters. And they're going back to see their dad. And I said, could I pray for both of you? And it's easy to grab one blonde hand in this hand and another blonde hand in this hand. Y'all are so holy. And, and, and we prayed on the plane. Just do what is natural that we ought to be doing. And, and this is going to lead us to number three. Be bold enough to step through the open door. How many of you believe God opens doors for you? L listen to Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8 and 9. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost... For a great and effective or effectual door has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries there. So this is what Paul is saying. He's writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and he says, I'm going to stay at Ephesus until Pentecost because God has opened some big doors here for me. Now, there's a lot of adversaries, but God's opened some doors. It doesn't do you any good for God to open the door if you're not bold enough to step through it. It takes courage. You've got to get over your timidity. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, sound mind, right? He's given us strength, given us power. And that word fear is translated timidity there. Uh, so if God opens the door, what should you and I do? Step through the door. So if God opens the door, then we are called out of the world, right? He, he saves us. He baptizes us. He fills us with His Holy Spirit. He puts His name on us. Then He sends us right back into the world to be an ambassador and agent for Him. So this is what Paul is saying. There's a lot of adversaries out there, but still I'm going I'm to go through the door. I'm going to have the courage to go through the door. I'm going to continue to do what I am called to do. And sometimes you and I, as God opens the door, you need to walk through it. It could be a family member. It could be a neighbor, it could be somebody you work with, somebody at school, and God has opened the door for you to share your faith, to share a scripture, to pray, whatever. And if He opens the door, then you walk through it. Years ago, when I was in the old investment business, I was uh, going to have some papers, some official papers signed by a man and his wife. I need to have them notarized, and so I go find the house where they live, and it's an older couple, and uh, I go to the door, knock, ring the doorbell, can't remember what it was, but this lovely, uh, polite little lady came to the door, and I introduced myself, and I'd called, and they knew I was coming, and I said, I have some papers for you and uh, Mr. Baker to sign, and uh, we need to get those signed and notarized, and she said, come on in, she offered me something to drink, and I said, now both of you need to sign them. We'll have to get them notarized. And she said, Mike, um, Mr. Baker is dying of cancer. And he's home. He's back in the bedroom. But we'll have to go back there and have him sign the papers. And I said, okay. So I, I go through and we, we go in the bedroom where he is. He, he's on a bed. Have you ever felt like you could smell death? He's dying of cancer. The cancer is in his body, and it's eating through the side of his body, and he's wrapped up, and the side of his body is oozing. 
But Mr. Baker is a very harsh, crude man. His words are his words are harsh with cursing, using the name of the Lord in vain, and obviously he's in pain. I mean, it's not a good situation. And there I am with papers to sign, and it's not a good environment, let me tell you. So I'm wanting to get in there and get the paper signed and get out of there as soon as I can. How many of you are with me on this deal? I mean, the smell, the attitude, the language, it's horrible. And I'm not just a real uh, seasoned Christian at that time. How many of you believe God speaks to you by His Spirit? The Lord began to speak to me and said, Mike, go pray for Him. And let me tell you my response. Lord, I don't want to go pray for Him. Because He's going to let me have it. I've already got a dose of this, and I hadn't even asked if He wanted to be prayed for. So I'm trying to back out of this room, and the Lord's still dealing with my heart. Mike, you need to go pray for Him. And I'm thought, thinking, I don't want to go pray for Him. But you know, sometimes the Lord just, he just gets a hold of you. So I, I went up and got my business done, and I'm wanting to leave. And I said, Mr. Baker, could I pray for you? And all of a sudden, his countenance changed. This is what he said. He said, son, I wish you would. I went over and laid hands on him, and I prayed for him, and just tried to encourage him. And I'd love to tell you he raised up out of the bed healed, but that didn't happen. And it seemed like the whole atmosphere in that room just absolutely changed. He said, thank you so much, Mike, for praying for me. And I said, well, Mr. Baker, hopefully I'll get to see you later. So it, it's the next week. It's a Wednesday. I leave early for church on Wednesdays. Sometimes I'm here all day. How many of you remember when we used to have landlines? So that's back when we still had a phone in our house. And, and so about uh, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock that afternoon, our phone rings at home and Carrie answers the phone. And this man, Mr. Baker, is calling. He's calling for me. And Carrie doesn't really know all the situation. And so she re relates this to me later. She said, Mike, a guy called for you this afternoon. You were already gone for church. And he said who he was. And I told him you'd already left for church. But this is what he said. He said, man, I wish I was at church with him tonight. I, I wish I was there with him tonight. And he talked to Carrie for a long time. How many of you know one step through an open door can change something? Now listen to me. I, I just found this out after the first service. So this is news to me and news to you. That was about 30-something years ago. Someone came to me after I preached this sermon in the early service and walked up to me and said, Mike, I know the guy you're talking about. Said, I worked with him years ago. I knew he died of cancer. I know his name, and I want to tell you something. He got saved before he died. I was standing right there this morning when I stepped off of the, the platform. Someone came to me and said, let me tell you the rest of the story. How many know God's a good God? But He uses people like us. 
He opens the door and he says, you're my ambassador, you're my agent, I've taken you out of this world, now I'm going to send you back into this world to change it. And everybody here can be a part of that change. But we need to be bold enough to go through the open door. Here's the fourth and the last thing this morning. So, so how do I affect this world? I mean, how do I uh, walk in this world? How do I approach this world? Boy, this is so basic. Pray. Pray. You say, well, you know, I pray. I, I pray? Folks, you can pray. And I can pray, and prayer makes a difference because we get in touch with the God who makes all the difference. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36-38. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. You know what he's doing? That whole chapter talks about him healing the sick, casting out devils, he's touching people's lives, he's proclaiming the gospel, and he looks at them, and he has compassion on them, and he says they're like a bunch of sheep that have no shepherds. Then he turns to his disciples, and he says, you need to pray to the Lord of the harvest that this harvest would be engaged by laborers to go into this harvest and preach this kingdom. You say, well, Pastor, you know, I, I can't do a lot of things. Listen, honey, you can pray. And I can pray. I can seek God. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now, here's something very interesting to me. Chapter 9, we just read Jesus is asking His disciples to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into the field. You know, in Matthew 13, Jesus said the field is the world. The field is the world. So what is He saying? He said, I want you to go into this world. And pray. Then in chapter 10, He calls the twelve. Gives them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. Power to heal the sickness and the diseases of people. He sends them out to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. He says, cleanse and heal and raise the dead and cast out demons. For you have freely received, now you freely must give. Here, here's the transition. Chapter 9. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth labors into the field. Chapter 10. You be an answer to the very prayer you just prayed. Sometimes we're praying for God to do something. Guess what? He's wanting you to be the answer to what you just prayed for. He's saying to those disciples, I called you out of this world. I want you to be fishers of men. Then he turns around and he says, now I'm going to send you right back into it. Folks, let me say something to you this morning. I, I pray this every Sunday morning, almost without fail. I believe we're positioned to have the greatest influx of new people coming to the kingdom of God than we've ever been before. And let me tell you why. The clock's ticking. The clock's ticking. We have a worldwide pandemic going on right now. It's almost like we've got just a little bit used to it in some way. We have an election coming up. I don't know what will be the results of that. Neither do you. We have an economy that's almost teetering on a precipice. I'd love to tell you we're only $5 trillion in debt or 
$10 trillion in debt or $15 trillion in debt or $17 trillion in debt. Do you know we're in trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt? That it could just be something that puts us over the edge. I'm not trying to get you into fear, but I'd like to wake you up to reality. That, that we now see how one thing that happens in a very remote place, and, and it could be uh, anywhere in the world that could affect us globally. And we see that possibly part of this is judgment on this world that we live in. That's why he says you need to come out of the world. Wow. And he's, he's saying to us, and he's saying to his disciples, you have freely been given something, now you need to turn around and freely give something. Kind of like uh, Peter and John going up to the beautiful gate. The hour of prayer, a lame man being laid there by that gate. And, and he wants money, and Peter said, we don't have any money, but we got something. How many of you know you got something? Every person here, you have something. You have the power of Almighty God in your life. You have the name of Jesus. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter reached down and he said, I don't have money, but such as I have, I'm going to give you something. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And this guy leaped and went into the temple praising God. And guess what? He had everybody's attention. Why? Something miraculous has just happened. And, and let me tell you how it happened. Somebody received something and somebody freely gave something. I believe, my friends, that you have family, you have friends, you have people you work for, and, and, and people who work for you, that you have something to give them, and you need to let your light shine, you need to be salt in an unsavory world, and just live this out every day. And just share what God allows you to share, and if He opens the door, then step into it. And allow Him to do what He's calling you and giving the opportunity to do. And every person here can do that. You say, well, you know, I just don't talk right. Yeah, that was Moses' excuse. Or I'm just insignificant. Yeah, that was Gideon's excuse. Or I just talk too much. That's Peter's excuse. But I don't care if you talk not enough or too much. How many of you know God can use people like us? Because that's all he's ever had to use. And that's who he will use. And he's going to use you and he's going to use me. And we're going to see the kingdom of God grow and grow and grow and grow. Because God wants to bring people out of this sin, sick world. And he will do it because you're an agent, you're an ambassador for him. And just like Paul said, here's something that's worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came to this world to save sinners. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then the next verse says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. And guess what? He uses people like us to share that message. To live the life. To step through the door. And to pray. And every person here can do that. Let me tell you, the second thing that your highlight will be with Jesus. Number one is you got saved. Number two, you helped somebody come to Jesus to get saved. Let me tell you, that's a highlight. 
And you have something to share and to give before this world closes its doors and Jesus says, it's done. Don't you bow your head. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.